Good morning. Um, my name is Heidi Thorson Oxford, and Reverend Whitney has already given a very good introduction um, to who I am, but I wanted to just emphasize again uh, two things about myself, and they're both points of gratitude and connection to this parish. Um, the first is that one of the things that I do in the city of New Haven is that I'm the coordinator of Chapel on the Green, which is a ministry that meets every Sunday, regardless of the weather, even if it's negative two degrees, um, to serve a meal and to worship with some of the most vulnerable people in that community. And we wouldn't be able to do that without churches who come to celebrate with us and to bring a meal. And St. Stephen's is one of those churches. Um, and it's actually perfect timing that I'm here because next week we'll be joined by some members of St. Stephen's, especially the confirmands at Chapel on the Green. And, you know, we have many groups from around the state who come to visit us, and I think it's an honor for me to finally see you and your homes and, and your place of worship. So thanks. Thank you for that. And the other um, point of gratitude and connection is that as I'm doing that work in New Haven, I'm also a student at the Divinity School, and so much of what I'm studying strengthens the ministry that I do with people on the green, and it wouldn't be possible without um, the scholarship that was given in honor of Aaron Manderbach. And so I'm grateful to all of you, and I'm grateful to him for his legacy and the ways that it continues to shape the work that I do. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today, our gospel reading, we encounter the story of Thomas, doubting Thomas, as he is so often called. The gospel text doesn't call him doubting Thomas. In fact, the gospel offers a different nickname for this disciple, Thomas, who is called the twin. And yet as we hear this story, we inevitably think of him as doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, as if he's never able to outlive this reputation. And it's true that much of the story revolves around doubt. Thomas is absent when Jesus makes his first appearance to the disciples as a group after his resurrection. And so Thomas insists that he will only believe that Jesus is risen when he sees him in person when he touches his wounds. Jesus does appear to Thomas a week later when the disciples are again gathered. And Jesus says to him, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And doubting Thomas believed. This story is important to many people because it makes room for doubt in a place of faith, in a place like the church. If Thomas was welcome, then so are we, even when doubt creeps into our minds. Thomas has become a kind of patron saint for the seasoned skeptic, for former atheists, agnostics, or simply for people who rely firmly on reason when it comes to matters of faith. I love this story, the story of doubting Thomas, because there's a streak of doubt in me. I like to question things, and I like to use my head as well as my heart in church. And yet I think that there's a catch here. If we rely too much on an idea of Thomas as the doubting skeptic, we miss an important part of the story. 
Thomas wasn't there the first time that Jesus appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. We don't know why he wasn't in the room. Perhaps he had work to do, a family to feed. Perhaps Thomas was still grieving after Jesus' death, and he needed space. He didn't want anyone to see, none of the disciples, just how much he was hurting. Whatever the case may be, Thomas wasn't there. So Thomas is the last of his friends who hasn't seen the risen Jesus. Have you ever been the last of your friends to hear an important piece of news? The last person in your family to learn something that seems so important? Have you ever been the last person to be invited to a party or wondered if people cared if you weren't there? I think it's important to remember that Thomas wasn't in the room when this amazing thing happened, when Jesus appeared to his disciples and gave them a commission and a blessing. Recognizing this fact, we can see Thomas in a new light. We can see that Thomas was not only full of doubt, Thomas was full of self-doubt. He should have been there, and he wasn't. Although a member of this group of disciples, Thomas suddenly felt like an outsider. When Thomas heard the news, he probably felt jealous. Even doubting Thomas, thinking Thomas, questioning Thomas had feelings. Why didn't Jesus wait for Thomas to be there with them? To me, it's no surprise that Thomas wanted something even more than the other disciples had to make up for his exclusion. Thomas wanted to see the wounds of Jesus and to touch them, even if it meant inflicting pain. The gospel doesn't mention Jesus in pain, but how can we not think of it with the image of touching an open wound? Jesus is generous with Thomas. It turns out that the intention was never to leave Thomas out. Jesus, Jesus reappears to his disciples the same as before, once again in a locked room, and invites Thomas to touch his wounds. Thomas overcomes whatever feelings of doubt or self-doubt he had before and responds, my Lord and my God. We are like Thomas. We doubt our convictions, yes, but even more often, I think, we doubt ourselves. We feel left out. We entertain feelings of worthlessness. Jesus' disciples in those early days after the resurrection met in locked rooms out of fear. And I can't help but think about how we build up our own walls around ourselves, afraid to be judged, afraid to be seen. And yet Jesus comes to us in those locked up places. Jesus meets us in the most secret, wounded places of our hearts. Jesus loves us, even when we feel unloved by everyone else. This is the promise of the resurrection. There is no such thing as a locked room when it comes to us. God's love meets us wherever we are. Everyone is worthy to be saved. No one is left out. As I was reading this story this week, I couldn't help but think of the people that I worship with at Chapel on the Green. Many people in our community are homeless. Many are unemployed. 
Many of the people who attend chapel on the green grapple with depression and anxiety, which makes it even harder for them to find a place in a society that is ill-equipped to meet their needs. People come to chapel on the green for many different reasons. Some people come for the sandwich or the music. Some people come because they're bored. One day I asked one of our community members, who rarely takes a sandwich, why he comes to chapel on the green. He simply said, because I'm lonely. I was so moved by this statement because it reminded me of the ways that fear and self-doubt play a role in each of our lives. It's so easy to feel left out. It's so easy to feel like we aren't worthy of things like friendship and community. Many of our self-doubts are brought on by societal expectations. I think about the self-doubt of a teenager in high school looking for a place to sit during lunch. I think about the self-doubt that we put on ourselves when we worry that we are only as good as the things that we accomplish in school or in work. And I think about the self-doubt that a person feels when they sleep on a park bench on the New Haven Green, when they carry all of their belongings in a shopping cart, when they sip out of a brown paper bag. We are each in our own way plagued by the fear that we aren't good enough. We're plagued by feelings of self-doubt. We weren't in the room when it happened. We were on the outside. And yet Jesus speaks to us in the midst of this doubt. Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Believe in God. Believe in yourself. Believe that you are worthy of being loved and that you are a part of God's beloved community. Like the disciples, we gather together week after week. We gather in churches. We gather on the New Haven Green. We gather in the hope that we might see Jesus, not in the way that, dis that the disciples saw Jesus, but instead in one another. We are the body of Christ, a living testimony to Christ's death and resurrection. And like Jesus, we are called to meet one another in the walled-up, broken places of our lives. Not to tear down the walls or to bang down the door, but to come in when it feels safe and to open our hands and share our wounds, to share our uncertainty. And in sharing our own vulnerability, we encourage one another. And we communicate those same words that Jesus spoke to Thomas in the locked room. Do not doubt, but believe.